very pretty morning. Uh, today we're back in 1 Timothy chapter 5. Uh, we're going to pick up verse 3. We're going to go down to verse 5. Uh, as you recall, last week we read the whole chapter, which I believe chapter 5 continues down to chapter 6, verse 2. Hopefully you studied that a little bit yourself this past week. Uh, and today we're looking at how to recognize a true widow and Paul's guidelines for how to recognize a true widow. You, you would think that that would be pretty easy, a widow is someone whose husband died, right? Well, the criteria is a little bit uh, stricter here, as we're going to see. And also, as we pointed out last week, we're entering into Paul's guidelines for the personal care aspects of the ministry. Certain, The ministry is more than what I'm doing right now. Ministry is more than uh, life of prayer. It, all, it should all involve all of that. But there's also personal care aspects. See, the Christian walk has many aspects. And care for our fellow believers is a very real part of it for all of us. This isn't just a job for the pastor. Uh, any of us can do the roles that Paul is describing here. The pastor often becomes the point man on these things, but any Christian can provide for widows and can provide for people in need, and we'll see that. We're going to talk about that a little bit more. Uh, but this is this is good rule of thumb for, for all of us. So, that all being said, I'm going to turn to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 5, I'm going to read verse 3 down to verse 5, and then we'll have a word of prayer. He says, Honor widows that are widows indeed. And if any widow have children or nephews, let them learn first to show piety at home and to requite their parents, for that is good and acceptable before God. Now she that is a widow indeed and desolate trusteth in God and continueth in supplications and prayers night and day. Let's have a word of prayer before we get looking at this. Lord, we thank you for the clear criteria how we can recognize a true widow, one who's truly in need, truly destitute. And thank you for giving us the ability to be able to share of our own abundance with each other. That's one of the greatest blessings of walking this Christian walk. Help us to be able to do this aspect better. There's so many needy people around. Help us to recognize it and to recognize how we can be your touch on their lives. Guide us through this passage by the power of your Holy Spirit. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So as we get to looking at this, we ought to understand what Paul is talking about when he speaks of widows in the church. Now, we see from biblical examples, like Dorcas comes to my mind, uh, as well as from other early church history, that widows in the church often took on a role of providing for needy folks in the church. We see that uh, numerous places. And this was very common until around about the second century, and it sort of faded out. The church as a group started taking care of the needy within their family like we kind of do today. 
but that used to be a task that pretty much centralized around widows. Uh, now, these were women without husbands who had service ministries within the church back in the early church days. Now, years and years and years ago, we here at Bethel had a ministry like that that we called the Dorcas Ladies. Uh, I was just a wee lad at the time. I don't know if any of you remember that, but I remember hearing of it. I don't know all the aspects that went into it, uh, but probably some of you might have been part of it. Uh, But that's kind of what Paul's talking about. See, we're talking about godly women who see needs that they can fulfill for folks who are less well-off. Something we all ought to be looking into. So with that little, that was a little bit of a cultural aspect. With that little cultural aspect out of the way, what does Paul mean when he says, honor widows that are widows indeed? That's what he says at the, uh, right at the beginning of uh, verse 3. Honor widows that are widows indeed. What in the world does he mean by that? Well, again, as we pointed out last week, and I'm going to continue to expand on this passage, that word honor here and throughout this chapter simply means honor. It's a very specific word. It means respect that is due. Some people try to make it mean something else, like when we get down to verse 17 where the same word's used, they try to uh, tell you that it's money. That all started about the third century with the Catholic Church. The word here is simply honor or respect. It's specifically, it's, it's very rarely used in the Bible, basically only in this passage, But it's used in a lot of Greek literature of its day. If you read through the Iliad, uh, it's used quite a lot, and it refers to honor and respect that was rendered to gods. The sort of honor and respect that you would lend to the Greek gods. And Paul seems to be referring to it in that sense because the very next verse he speaks of piety in the context of honor. We're talking about properly honoring widows is rendering that holy duty that's acceptable to God. We're going to get to that in just a minute. But that's the kind of honor we're talking about here. By the way, that's the same kind of honor we're talking about in uh, verse 17. It's the same kind of honor that we're talking about in uh, chapter 6 and verse 1. Remember the uh, expansion that we saw as we look through this chapter that starts out with honor widows. Uh, double honor elders and all honor to masters from servants to masters it's a it's a progression now you see in the Roman world a woman whose husband had died would have no means of support no means of support there was no social security in those days there was no life insurance in those days Your husband's dead, you've got no visible means of support, short of your own children. If the husband was dead, the wife has no support any longer, especially if her children are, A, not able to provide for her, maybe she has very young children and they're not able to provide, or perhaps they're unwilling to lend a hand to help her. We're going to look at some examples of that later. This was a problem from the very early days of the church. This is... When the church was brand new, this was one of the very first issues that they had to deal with. Let's turn back to Acts chapter 6. This is the whole reason deacons were picked out in the first place. 
all the way back to the beginning of the church. The church is just a little baby in Jerusalem at this time. Uh, Acts chapter 6, verses 1 to 4. And in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them, and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will ourselves will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. One of the very first issues that the church had was how are we going to take care of all these widows that are in the church? These needy widows didn't have the resources that they needed to provide for themselves. So let me ask you another question. And feel free to answer some of these questions. Why is Paul so concerned about this one subgroup in the church? Why is Paul so concerned about widows? I mean, to let you know where my mind's going with this question, shouldn't we just honor everybody? I mean, he says, honor widows that are widows indeed. Shouldn't we be doing that to all of us? Why does he specifically call out widows here? Why this special recognition? Well, we need to remember something else culturally, too. Widows were very, very common in the Roman Empire at that time. Many men, in fact, everybody who was an adult, able-bodied male was conscripted into the Roman army. The Roman army, at this point, is still expanding. You expand by waging war, conquering other nations. At about this time, they were trying to invade England and trying to drive my relatives off the island. They weren't very successful, and my relatives killed them and ate them. But uh, anyway, that a lot of Roman soldiers died. Many people in the church were also slaves. And that was a hard, short, and brutal life. Also, disease and plague claimed a lot of people's lives in those days, leaving behind many women without husbands and husbands without wives. Uh, Maybe you've heard of the Antonine Plague, uh, happened under uh, Caesar Anthony, uh, 169 A.D. 25% of the Roman population was wiped out in that plague. At one point, there were 2,000 people dying every day in Rome alone. 2,000 people every day in Rome alone. And we talk about COVID-19. This Population of widows was probably a huge percentage of the population in Ephesus in this day. Now, how do I know that, too? Because James issued a very similar command in his epistle when James was writing the book of James. Let's go to James chapter 1, verse 27. This was a huge concern. It was one of the first concerns that the church had to deal with. Paul mentions it, and James mentions this very similar issue. Uh, James chapter 1, verse 27. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. James also includes orphans who 
also would have had their father missing. Fatherlessness within the early Roman Empire was a huge thing. I'm not going to deal with orphans within this group today, uh, but James wrote about them then. Jesus also cared a great deal for widows, as we see all over the place. Let's look to uh, Luke chapter 7. See what Jesus had to say about widows. This was a large concern. Luke chapter 7. Starting at verse 11, and this is the widow of Nain. And it came to pass the day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him, and much people. And when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and said unto her, Weep not. And he came and touched the bier. And they that bare him stood still, and he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak, and he delivered him to his mother. And there came a fear on all, and they glorified God, saying, That a great prophet has risen up among us, and that God hath visited his people. And this rumor of him went forth throughout all Judea, and throughout all the region round about. And the disciples of John showed him of all these things. He, this widow, her husband was dead, she is a widow, and her son, apparently adult son, was dead. She's got nobody to support her until Jesus came along. And uh, Jesus referred to widows in several parables, too. I'm not going to read all of them. Mark chapter 12, verses 41 to 44. Luke chapter 18, verses 1 to 8. Jesus referred to widows within his parables. They were a large part of the population. In fact, since not much is mentioned about Joseph after Jesus grew up, a lot of people believe that Jesus' mother, Mary, was a widow herself. That would explain why Jesus had to call on John to take care of Mary from the cross. In Mark, actually, yeah, let's look at this one up. Mark chapter 12, uh, Verse 40. Mark chapter 12, verse 40. Jesus ridicules and criticizes people who neglected the taking care of widows. He, he talks about, uh, let's back up to verse 38. He says, Beware of the scribes which love to go in long clothing and love salutations in the marketplaces and the chief seats in the synagogue and the uppermost rooms at the feasts. Here's where I want to focus. Which devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. These shall receive greater damnation. That's what Jesus had to say about folks who don't take, properly take care of widows. Now, throughout the Old Testament, we have proverbs and teachings about the taking care of widows. Job chapter 24, verse 3. Job 29, 13. 31, 16. Psalm 94, 6. We can go on for a long time. Isaiah 10, 2. Jeremiah 7, 6. Ezekiel 22, 25. Those are just some that I wrote down quickly. God even describes Himself. God Himself 
describing himself as one who is a father of the fatherless and a defender of widows. We see that several times, particularly in the Psalms. Psalm 68, 5, Psalm 146, 9, Proverbs 15, 25. That's how God describes himself. A father to the fatherless and a defender of widows. So this care of widows is very, very important to God. And Paul recognized that, and he's encouraging Timothy to pay attention to that as well. So we beat verse 3. Let's uh, turn to verse 4. I took my finger out of 1 Timothy. Verse 4. But if any widow have children or nephews, let them learn first to show piety at home and to requite their parents, for that is good and acceptable before God. So here we see Paul offer some examples of widows who are not in need. If they have children or grandchildren or nephews who are capable of taking care of them, providing for them, then if that's the case, then their family should be allowed the opportunity to provide for them. Now, I think that's important in our day and age. Uh, so the family has the first opportunity to fulfill their responsibility to their own kin. That's something that honestly frosts me about today's society. There are so many families who do not care for their own. They either neglect them or farm them off to be somebody else's problem. That isn't what God wants his people to do. Family ought to take care of each other. If nothing else, it gives you a chance to put your religion into practice. That's what James was talking about in James uh, 1.27 that we already read. This is pure religion and undefiled before God. Taking care of your own family. You see, godly widows are doubly our family members, aren't they? They may be by blood, and they certainly are by faith. The relatives of a widow should not be expecting the church to take care of their relations if they are capable of taking care of them themselves. That's what Paul's telling Timothy here. Don't be expecting the church to do, do everything for you if you're capable of doing it yourself. Society may not have valued widows. We see that it didn't. But God does. We've seen that all over. And the church ought to as well. Now, when Paul says that these children, these grandchildren of a widow, are to requite their parents, that requite word, that's not a word we use very often anymore, it literally means to repay. To repay. What does that indicate? If you're repaying someone, that means you're in their debt, right? You're indebted to them. Do you realize that it takes a lot of work and a lot of resources to raise children? It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of resources. When parents have done their task of raising children and are now in their own time of need, the tables ought to turn, hadn't they? The children and the grandchildren of these widows ought to share back with the person who has devoted an entire lifetime to providing for them. 
by the way, let's turn over to Mark's chapter 7, and we'll see that Jesus rebuked worthless layabout children who refused to provide for their needy parents. This is what Jesus had to say in Mark chapter 7. God takes this very seriously. Mark chapter 7, verses 11 to 13. Uh, I'm going to back up to verse 9. And he said unto them, Full well ye reject the commandment of God, that ye may keep your own tradition. For Moses said, Honor thy father and thy mother, and said, Whoso curseth father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, If a man shall say to his father or mother, It is korban, that is to say, a gift, by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, he shall be free. And you suffer him no more to do aught for his father or his mother, making the word of God of none effect through your tradition, which ye have delivered, and many such like things do ye. What Jesus is saying with that, the uh, Pharisees had said, well, you don't have to, you don't have to take care of your father and mother. And Jesus says that that runs contrary to everything that the Bible has to say. Making the word of God of none effect through your tradition. Notice that Paul, back in Timothy, Paul gives Timothy a motivation to do this right thing. Here's why this is the right thing to do. For it is good and acceptable before God. That sounds a lot like what James had to say, too, isn't it? True religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this. It's good and acceptable before God. We all ought to be striving to please God, hadn't we? Anybody out there? We all ought to be striving to please God. And this is just one of those ways we can do that. See, God is not pleased if somebody claims to be a Christian and then refuses to provide for a family member who's in need. God is not pleased by that. Verse 5. Now, she that is a widow indeed, and desolate, trusteth in God, and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. So now that Paul's addressed the familial duties, you ought to take care of your own family. If this widow is in your own family, you better take care of her yourself. Don't expect the church to have to do that. But if she is truly destitute, Paul says, here's the qualifications for people who ought to be cared for by other Christians, by the church as a whole. First of all, the true widow is one who is desolate. She has no other means of support. Nobody else around. No family like that widow in name. She doesn't have relations. And she also trusteth in God. Now that reminds me of how Paul described himself back in chapter 4 and verse 10. Therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. Paul described himself as one who trusted in God. 
So we're talking about a true woman of faith whom Paul regards on a parallel with himself. People like Ruth in the Old Testament and Anna in the New Testament, right? Those were true widows. Those are clear biblical examples of a faithful widow who was devoted to God in spite of the loss of their husbands and apparently no family. Anna is described in Luke chapter 2 as never leaving the temple, but worshiping night and day, fasting and praying, it says. Go ahead and read the description of Anna. I'm not going to do it right now. But that kind of language brings us to the next qualifying phrase here that Paul uses. A true widow that continueth in supplications and prayers night and day. We're talking about someone who understands the priority of prayerfulness. The best example of this that I, I have ever personally met was Helen Flesch. She would pray for anyone at any time. And since she didn't sleep very well, she was often up praying in the middle of the night for other people. Both she and Nick were both people of prayer. If, if there was one characteristic that covered both of them, they were people of prayer. And it showed in their lives, didn't it? So this widow that Paul is talking about is someone who works and labors hard in prayer. See, that's one thing. It doesn't matter how crippled you are. It doesn't matter whether you've got any sustenance or anyone can pray. That's one of the greatest privileges we have as Christians. Anyone at any time can go to God Almighty on their own behalf or on the behalf of someone else. And this widow is doing that for other people. There may not be much else she can do in a ministry, but she can certainly pray. And if she's faithful doing that, that's one of the ones that we need to be watching out for. So we kind of took the long way around the barn today, but we saw Paul describe three characteristics of a true widow who deserves to be upheld by her fellow believers, you and me. She needs to be without any family support. She needs to be exemplary in her trust of God. And she must be vigilant and consistent in her prayer life. Simply having lost one's husband does not necessarily make you worthy of the honor that Paul's talking about here. Now next time, we're going to look at examples of people who are unworthy of this kind of care. Paul gives us both. He gives us examples of what she should look like, and next time we're going to look at this is one that you don't need to waste your time supporting. We'll look at that next time. If you don't mind, I'd like to close in a word of prayer.